to the Connect the Dots podcast. Jeffrey Klein has conversations with a diverse array of successful people, sharing their stories to educate, inspire, and entertain. Here is your host, Jeffrey. My guest today is Jason Pfeiffer, editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine, author of the book, Build for Tomorrow, a startup advisor and host of the podcast, Build for Tomorrow, yes, same name as the book, and Problem Solvers. LinkedIn named him a top voice in entrepreneurship for 2022. Prior to Entrepreneur, Jason had worked as an editor at Men's Health, Fast Company, Maxim, and Boston Magazine, and had written about business and technology for the Washington Post, Slate, New York Magazine, and others. Please welcome Jason. Thanks for having me. I'd like to start at the beginning. So where were you born and what did your parents do for a living? Oh, that's really at the beginning. I was born in White Plains, New York, and then my parents very swiftly moved down to Florida. So I grew up in Florida and my dad is a retired dentist and my mom was a art therapist who then um, just uh, raised the kids and was very involved in a lot of different uh, philanthropies and uh, then was a, a guardian ad litem um, uh, representing the needs and interests of uh, children in very difficult custodial issues. Wow. One of the things I'm obsessed with this story, and I know that's a topic you're pretty familiar with. Was there someone when you were growing up who was really good at telling stories and kind of what made them good? Oh, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I, I'm sure somebody was very good at telling stories, but it's not something I have a specific memory of. People always said I was good at telling stories, and it could be you. I did. Who's good telling stories? For a up? long time, I was. <laughs> I was. Uh, I mean, I'm good at the good at it now. People told me that I was good at it back then, but I didn't really know what it meant to tell a story. I think I was probably too long winded. But I, the earliest I can remember being aware of good storytelling was really when I was in. Uh, high school uh, was the first the first person who I, I would say is a storyteller who I became obsessed with was Kevin Smith, the the director of uh, Clerks, Mall Rats and so on. Um, and uh, I, you know, what I he he did this. He would tell these stories primarily through dialogue. And that was such a contrast to the plot driven action oriented movies that I was used to seeing as a teenager and uh and it really it blew my mind and it it got me thinking a lot about how to how to communicate through words not through visuals hmm. and at what point did how early did you start writing when did you decide oh this might be something i want to pursue as a career writing and editing you know how did that evolve i was writing as a when I was in elementary school, I was making comic strips and then it progressed into short stories and, and really terrible poetry that I'm glad doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> and then in high school, I started writing for my local music magazine. It was called Inc. 19 and it was a print magazine. It was distributed in, in like music stores in Florida and Georgia. And that was really the first time that I was writing for an audience and it felt professional. I, I had started 
you know, I was writing on the internet. I mean, I, I I'm 42. So when I was in high school, I was, I was, it was between 1994, 1998. And I, so that was early, early internet days. I was writing on a members.aol.com site, if anybody <laughs> remembers that. And, um, and, um, but I would say it was really writing for Inc. 19, having the power to have my thoughts distributed and then to be able to go to a store and pick them up and see them and then have other people react to them made me realize that there's just an incredible power here. And I wasn't really interested in wielding the power so much as being responsible with the power, sort of Spider-Man-ish. But, <laughs> um, but, but, but the, power, the power that I did really love, uh, that I still love, is the power to, uh, is the power for people to speak to me, uh, right? I mean, when you're, when you're a writer and you're in, in media, people will talk to you. They'll share their thoughts with you. They'll invite you into their lives and into their work and into their world. I, back then, it meant that I got to interview bands that I loved. Today, it means that I just get to have fascinating conversations with people who I find very interesting. And um, that's 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 a that's a rare uh, gift, and I I never get tired of it. It's part of the reason why I do a podcast so I can have conversations yeah. with interesting people. Um, so you've done in your in your career both a lot of writing and a lot of editing. Do you have a preference mm -hmm. or find one easier or like what, what's your dynamic between those two? Cause I think a lot of people think I would say writing is the easy part. It's the editing. That's, you know, the rewriting part, but, but you also edit for other people. Mm. So how does that all play into what yeah, you like to it's do? Funny, what when, you're good at doing? when you edit other people, you become a much better writer. Uh, I, my, my writing is infinitely more polished because I edit others. It makes you more careful. I had never had an interest in editing. And frankly, to be honest, I don't have an interest in editing. Um, but editor in chief, like... <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I, but I would much rather write for the magazine than edit the magazine. I'll just be honest with you. But, um, by, uh, and, and by, by edit, I mean like edit an individual story, obviously mm -hmm. the, you know, the great, the great joy of being an editor in chief is, is having a, having the ability to have a completely fully realized vision, right. making every decision about, about a, a you know about what goes into something that's amazing but on a story level mm -hmm. actually like picking apart a story and sending a writer a ton of notes uh, i could pass on that i've done it enough um i but the reason i do it is because i made a strategic decision early in my career where i looked at the mastheads of i was i was a community newspaper reporter and i was trying to figure out how to break into magazines this is i was like 2000 and two and I'm, I'm just graduated college. I'm working at these community newspapers in Massachusetts and I'm trying to figure out how to get into magazines. And I'm, I don't know anybody in magazines and I don't really know how they operate, but here's a great thing about magazines is that if you flip open to the first couple of pages, you usually find the masthead where you can see all the people who work there and you can look at all their job titles. And what I realized was there are no writers on this staff. There are only editors. And uh, that's true because it turns out that the people who write magazines generally are either editors who write mm -hmm. or freelance writers, right. but there aren't really staff writers anymore. There used to be rewind 40 years and, you know, time magazine had a, had a, you know, an airplane full of staff writers, but they don't now, or, uh, or at least I guess I can't speak to time magazine, but entrepreneur doesn't have any staff writers. And um, and so I thought, if I want to get into magazines, then I have to learn how to edit and I have to be an editor and I will always just be an editor who writes because that is the upward mobility. And that was true. 
And I, that was a fine sacrifice to make. You know, look, I, I, I firmly believe that every great thing has a price of admission. And you have to be okay with that price of admission. And for me, having a career in magazines and being able to write for magazines, the price of admission was being an editor. There's always a price. I like that. A price for admission, no matter what it is you end up doing. Um, yeah. So you've been a, a writer, an editor of a bunch of different magazines. If you look back on your career and you think about kind of the most surprising place you may have found yourself, whether that's a certain location or talking to a certain person, so anyone that stands out, like when you were young, you go, mm. like, I can't believe I'm talking to, or I can't believe I'm in. Yeah. So, I mean, these days I've done it enough that it feels more commonplace, right? Even, even flying down to Atlanta to spend some time with the rock on, on a movie set. I mean, that's a pretty cool experience, but I, it's not like a, Oh my God, pinch me. Right. Because yeah, I've met, I, I, you know, I've met very successful people and they, they all tend to be very nice. And it's like, you know, you sit down with them and they're just another person and you're talking to them. Uh, but if I rewind back enough, I remember the first, the first like really mind blowing experience for me was I was at men's health. I was probably, it was my first national magazine job. I was 28 or 29 and I was a huge lost fan. Lost was on at the time, the television show from ABC and I was absolutely obsessed with Lost. And we were going to put Josh Holloway, who played Sawyer in Lost, on the cover of Men's Health. And, you know, I was a junior editor at the time. And I had written that many longer features for the magazine. Uh, I was editing a ton of short stuff. But my boss, Matt, he knew I was a huge Lost fan. We talked about it all the time. And so he said, do you want to fly out to Hawaii, which is where they filmed Lost? Um, and so that's where Josh was. Do you want to go out and um, and interview him for the cover story? And at the time they were filming the last season. So I, you know, I was like, boy, do I ever. And so, <laughs> uh, you know, I got on a plane uh, with the team, you know, it was me and like the photo or the photo editor and the fashion editor. And, you know, we all go out and we don't have that much time with Josh. We have a few hours for photo shoot. And then I think I might've had an hour or something for the interview. And so Josh shows up and he looks like Sawyer and he's, he, he had done some modeling in his career. So he was really comfortable on the photo shoot. We did it on a beach. Uh, we'd rented this house on a beach and then we basically like photographed him um, on the beachfront property behind the house. And, um, and that went well. And then it was finally time for the interview. And so, um, you know, I, I go over to Josh and I say, Hey, I'm Jason. I'm going to do the interview. And he says, Oh, great. And so we just, we grab some beers, some Kona beers, Kona is the Hawaiian beer. And we sit down and we're at this, you know, we're at this table just, uh, behind this random house that men's health is rented and they got the beach and I got this guy, from my favorite television show and I've got his full attention and we just have this very personal conversation about finding yourself and finding your path. And, um, and, um, and he was really, he was just, he was generous. He was thoughtful. 
and uh, and I, I, you know, it was it was wonderful. And then I I took a photo with him, which is one of my favorite photos because he is this like you know hunky guy, and I just looked <laughs> like this funny pale like kind of elf next to him. And um and then he left, and I was we were cleaning up, and I went back to the table that we had been sitting at, and there were a bunch of beer beer bottles and Kona beer has uh has a little like underneath the cap on the on the in, underside of the cap they have a like a Hawaiian I, I'm sorry I don't know the term the better terminology but um the, you know the, the kind of native Hawaiian word and then the English translation kind of like fortune cookies how they'll have the Chinese mm -hmm. word and then, and um and I picked it up I picked one up and I looked underneath it and the word was lost and that and then the translation uh yeah and uh and i i just thought this is the perfect ending to this unbelievable experience and so i pocketed that bottle cap and i still have it it's in my office now that i speak to you in and um you know it really it just it it was it was a portal into a space that i would have never otherwise had the opportunity and it's it's worth remembering those moments so that when they become commonplace, you don't take them for granted. Mm. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good perspective um, to have. Like you know, never take for granted the opportunities that anything may give you. Uh, but for the opportunities of people who are trying to be writers, any yeah. any advice for people who are like, oh, I, I like writing, or you know. How do I get a career now? It's both easier and harder, I think. Uh, yeah, it's both easier and harder. I'd say that's right. I mean, we should divide it up because there's a lot of ways to make a career in writing, right? I, I chose a very traditional media path in mag in kind of journalism, but you know, there's all sorts of other other ways to do it. Uh, and there are, there are a lot of freelancers who we work with who may, maybe have never even held a staff job. They're, they're just freelancers. What's my advice? My advice is to do not worry at the very beginning about who you are writing for and worry a lot more about gaining the opportunity to write. I am very, very grateful that I, I started, I graduated college. I got a job at a community newspaper called the Gardner News. And I was there for about a year. I quit. I freelanced. I got another tiny newspaper job. This one a little bit larger, the Worcester Telegram and Gazette. And um, and then I became a, a a junior editor at Boston Magazine. And that's all. That's what I did before I ended up uh, in national magazines. The next one was Men's Health. And anyway, the reason I tell you that is that you know, the rest of my career has been in national magazines in New York City and, you know, the sort of hub of media. And I meet all of these young people who came here right out of college. And their intention was to, or is to, work for like a national brand. And some of them, I mean, obviously I'm meeting the ones who get in. There are a lot of people who never do. Uh, and uh, and the ones who get in still have, I'll tell you what they're going to do. They're going to do really, really low level stuff for a very long time. 
because there are a lot of people ahead of them and those people don't move around all that much. And, uh, and that's a pretty limited set of opportunities and you will probably get pigeonholed. So there, there are so many people who it looks glamorous from the outside. They moved to New York, they're 22. They got a job at, I don't know, Cosmopolitan and they're writing for cosmopolitan.com. But here's the problem. The problem is that they're not getting reporting experience. They're not getting long form experience. They're not really getting any kind of other experience aside from the daily grind of creating aggregated posts on cosmopolitan.com. And they're not going to, on their own, develop a wider skill set, or rather, they're not going to, through their organization, develop a wider skill set that's necessary to grow their career. So they're going to have to do that on their own. I, I remember being at another magazine uh, years years ago where I was, I was a, a more senior editor at that time and a, a junior editor from, a junior writer from the website had an idea for a feature in print. And I thought it was a really good idea and I championed it. And uh, and ultimately, we got the buy-in from the editor-in-chief. And so the story was assigned. And this young writer then flies across the country to go report it out. And she sends me a panicked text at the end of the first day of reporting. This was business reporting. So she was at a company. And sends me this panicked text. And the text is basically, I'm not getting anything from these people. Like, I'm asking them questions and I'm not getting anything. And I started to ask her what was going on. And what I eventually came to realize was, oh my God, she doesn't know how to do this because she's never had to, right? She only has called people on the phone uh, on the occasions in which she does call somebody on the phone and has a pretty targeted conversation about a very specific thing for like 15, 20 minutes. What she hadn't done was immerse herself into a world and sort of just build trust in a in a very quick and efficient way and then get people to say kind of interesting, Juicy insightful stuff. things so that she right. could build a longer narrative, build a longer narrative. She just hadn't done it because there was no opportunity to do it. And so I needed to coach her through it on the fly. Now she ended up doing a pretty good job in that story, but um, I, I give it as a cautionary tale because here's the other way to do it. The other way to do it is you start small. You start at a small publication. You start with a small opportunity where you can be big or at least you can do a little bit of everything. I mean, you know, when I was working at these tiny newspapers, I was doing everything. I was covering cops and courts and I was writing features and I was hanging out with the mayor and whatever. I was getting a really good <laughs> breadth of information. And, and and then I went to Boston Magazine and that was small enough that I was able to edit and write and do investigations and also do funny calendar items and a little bit of everything so that by the time I had bigger opportunities, like at Men's Health, I had a more robust skill set to draw from. I feel very fortunate about that. I, I, I At the time, those little those little jobs were ego bruising. I hated working at that tiny paper, but I look back at it now and I'm so grateful that I had it. Mm. Yeah. I think again, having the opportunity to get the experience, like you need experience. <laughs> And if you go yeah. straight to the more known brand, you're not going to get it. So it's right. about, I mean, I think, you know, the term a lot of paying your dues, that's a way to pay your dues. And, you know, I think a lot of people characterize this certain generate certain, certain people as wanting to take a shortcut and there really aren't any. And I think that's, you know, you could be talented, but it doesn't mean you can go right away and become, you know, a seasoned anything because you haven't had the, any experience. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you do see some people who 
fresh out of college, they get a job at the New York Times and they start writing giant stories. That happens. It doesn't happen often. And frankly, if it if it didn't happen for you, then the chances are that you just didn't win the lottery right. the way that that person did. And and you just have to be okay with that. And that and I have had to make peace with that. I didn't win the lottery. I mean, look, I did in a way because I came became editor in chief of a national brand at age thirty five. Uh, that was uh, that was that that was in a way winning the lottery. But you know, I spent a lot of years definitely not winning the lottery, where I was I was incredibly jealous of of young people working at the Times and the Post or you know the New Yorker or something. And here I am slaving away at the Worcester Telegram and Gazette. But you know what? The way to the way to win the lottery is to buy yourself as many lottery tickets as possible, and you buy as many lottery tickets as possible through basically hard grinding work. Yeah, I think that you know the, the idea that a lot of people talk about is you know most careers are a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, right. If you approach it like it's a sprint, you're going to fall down and not finish the race. But you have ascended by most people's you know view, so. How do you define success for yourself? Growth. Development of new opportunities. I think the foundation of your question is very important because what you're what you're asking there is really about, like you just said, how do you define success for yourself? The worst okay. thing that we can do is we can operate on someone else's definition of success. We do that all the time. But I had i had aspired to be editor in chief of a of a magazine but i'll tell you what the funny thing is that back when i first dreamt that might maybe it would be possible that i would be editor in chief of a brand the reason why i was really interested in that was because it felt like stability it felt like i could stay in 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 magazines for a long time and if and and i could uh, make enough money to to um you know, kind of like live in New York. And now that I am editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur of, of a national magazine, you know, the funny thing is that that like the the thing I spend the least amount of time thinking about is how do I have a career in magazines? I I I because being at, at being in this role now exposes me to all these other really interesting opportunities speaking where I make a lot of money, startup advising, consulting, um, writing in other forums, books, podcasts. I do all of this. And that's not to say that I'm ready to leave magazines because this is still it's a good it's a good ride and I and I'm um you know it's it's an honor to occupy the role that I occupy. But I will tell you what, this is my last magazine job. Just is. Mm -hmm. I, I like whenever this ends there is, I am not interested in another magazine job. I'm going to do other things based on all these other opportunities that this created for me. Mm -hmm. And what that goes to show me and what that, uh, what, what I always want to be mindful of there is that the, there is no end goal and therefore success has to be really about process and about building. I'd like to feel like I have momentum, like I'm growing, like one opportunity leads to the next. If I'm being really thoughtful about that and I'm seeing returns on that, then that's what success is. There's a term I've always liked uh, and I've seen it in lots of, which is the journey is the destination, you know, whereas sure. um, that 
if you're not, if you're always looking ahead to that goal and not embracing the now, you're not going to appreciate, you know, and that's not to say not to have goals, but the process, as you said, I think the journey that you're on is you have to, you have to find success in that as well. Yeah, that's right. All right. I got a few rapid fire questions for you. So let's see how these go. So if okay. a movie was made about you, who would you want to play you? <laughs> uh, I don't pay enough attention to pop culture anymore to even know the names of people. I will tell you that as a kid growing up with a big Jewish nose and curly hair, everyone kept calling me Screech, the you know the Justin Diamond character from, from Saved by the Bell. The Bell. Uh, yeah, Justin, uh, uh, or Dustin, Dustin Diamond. Dustin has passed away, so he, um, sadly, so he's not playing me. Uh, so, um, you know, I don't know. Somebody, um, somebody very charming. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, should stories always have happy endings? No, but they should have satisfying endings. Mm, I like that answer. Uh, do you have a favorite emoji? I... I I used the laughing crying emoji and then it was funny to read like two years ago, I think it was BuzzFeed or somebody ran a story about how how like the kids today uh have completely abandoned that emoji and now it's only for old people. And uh and I read that and I thought, well, you know what? That sounds about right. I mean, I'm not trying to be a teenager. Uh so um okay, I'm gonna keep using it. I like it. Uh, can you name one of your favorite songs? In the music, so. Yeah, yeah, I am. Uh, the Underdog by Spoon is the song that I used to use to, to and I guess probably will still use if 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 the if the need calls. Um, but if I'm if I'm trying to pump myself up on the way to something, um, you know, like the first, I remember the first like couple times I went to a TV studio to be interviewed on camera or whatever. And I would just need, I would just need to feel like I'm on a mission here and I'm going to succeed. Then uh, the underdog by spoon is what I always played for myself. Uh, how about a favorite social media platform? LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn. Um, I think the engagement there is fantastic uh visibility is excellent and it's a really nice smart supportive community uh, it, you know twitter is a is a dumpster fire um tiktok i really enjoy but i haven't figured out how to how to like, kind of consistently put up value that people like and uh, and instagram um is just you know the algorithm is all over the place and it's just very hard to find traction and success but linkedin is great can you name a book that left a lasting impression on you yeah, sure can. Uh, a Heartbreaking Works Staggering Genius by Dave Eggers was an amazing memoir, and um, and it really it really showed me that um, you can play with writing style and communicate even more. And uh, uh, and I I read it as a high, as a, a college kid, and it 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 stayed with me. You've been really kind. Is there anything you know? I know you just wrote a book recently. Is there anything you want to promote that people can go and find out more, learn about Jason, those kinds of things? Yeah, I'll say so. Yeah, my book is called Build for Tomorrow. It's available in audio, ebook, or, or hardcover. You can find it wherever you get books. And uh, it's, it's a book about adaptability, how to thrive in change. If you are going through a big change in your career right now, if you're considering a big change, if you're, if you're trying to 
find the bright side and something that feels scary. Uh, this is a book designed for you. It's 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 drawn from the lessons I've learned from the smartest, most adaptable people and entrepreneurs, as, as well as the history of innovation, which I'm really obsessed with. And so, um, you know, I'd love if you picked up a copy. It's called Build for Tomorrow. I'll make sure I put the Amazon link in the foot. Jason, this has been great. Uh, and I want to thank you for sharing your insights and your background. And most of all, I want to thank you for helping us connect the dots. Ooh, nice ending there. I appreciate it. Thank you for taking your time to listen to this podcast. Please subscribe on your preferred podcast platform so you don't miss any future episodes. If you could also do me a favor and please leave a review on iTunes, I would really appreciate that. Remember, story matters and is the best way to connect the dots.